0: Hi there and welcome back to the ESPN Footy Podcast.
1: G'day everybody, welcome to the ESPN Footy Podcast once again. My name is Matt Walsh, Jake Michaels and Christian Jolly from Champion Data here for another week. Jake, good to speak with you. Why don't opposition coaches put serious time and work into Nick Dacos? Oh,
0: gee, you're right off the top, aren't you? <laughs> I don't know. Can you? Can anyone answer that? It's it's bugging me. He's a great player, like I obvious in the obvious there, and he don't want people to take this the wrong way because he totally deserved the uh, the medal on Anzac Day but I'm staggered like I can't think of another player not just a current star but going back 10, 15, 20 years who just has so much time and space and the the their team wants to give them the ball at all costs and they, they're constantly getting it and able to use the ball he's got great skills and you know, he could have 17, 18 Brownlow votes by now. Two clutch last quarter goals, 40 disposals. Christian, any theories as to why coaches just aren't
1: putting time into it?
2: Will he... No, not for Nick Dacos, because the one theory I've always heard from coaches is the fact that you, it's so hard to tag midfielders, especially mm. inside midfielders. Clearance winners, contest yep. possessions. And if you go back throughout the last five or ten years, they're the stars of the game. Dustin Martin, Patrick Cripps, you know, all the way back to Chris Judd and things like that. Those players were hard to tag because if you sit someone on them, they're going to beat you to the ball anyway, plus you lose your tagger mm. into the congestion. you just got to kind of go Who's just chasing a player anyway. So they're hard to tag. Nick Dacos, you know, looking at him, he's got the, the third lowest con- uh, contested possession rate of anyone with like at least 20 disposals. So I think it's Isaac Smith and Luke Ryan are below him, so win more outside balls. So he's getting, I think it's 26% of his disposals from a, con- uh, from a contest, and the rest is from uncontested yeah. possession. So. Yeah, you think it'd be easy enough just to have someone just run alongside him. So and at least if he calls it, for the a, ball, he's not in five metres of space. We saw it a little it bit him.
0: late last year where he where he had a little bit of attention. And, he you know, he struggled a little bit more because, uh, as any player would, especially a young player. So not taking anything away from him because he's a star. And, and he's, as I said, he's leading the Brownlow right now, I imagine. And, um, yeah, if I was doing my top 50 list again, geez, probably in the top 15. Jeez. But with that said, yeah, I, it's it kind of... Boggles the mind that it's that no one's uh, putting any time into it.
1: Heap to get to today after a very, another very long week of footy, including mm. the disappointing Dockers. Gee, that was Friday night, feels like an age Off. ago. Yeah, uh, Carlton's massive stumble. Plus, we talk crowds, Tigers, and a whole
0: lot more. But before we get cracking, something from the weekend you noticed, Jake? Well, it's not the weekend, it was Anzac Day, uh, yesterday. My it's a rare, it's a rare Wednesday show for us. We don't do too many <laughs> it Wednesday is, shows, yes. but um. It was funny because it was getting towards the end of the game and I still didn't have something I noticed. Well, I probably had 10 things that I just forgot over the weekend. Yeah, see, I make notes but of that. <laughs> but it got to the last five minutes. And what happened in the last, or might have been the last three minutes, the Bombers had a sign-up on their bench with uh, two aces, two cards, mm. aces, and, uh, and a whole stack of poker chips. You've been known to play a bit of poker in your I time. I have been known to play a bit of poker. And I think even if you don't play poker, you probably know what that means, which yeah. is why I was stunned that the commentators were sort of wondering what that could mean. And I thought, isn't it super obvious? And at what point are you trying to be deceptive to the opposition why not just at that point why not just have a whiteboard that says go for let's us. go all in mm.
2: I don't know about that one but there is the other ones it's like the one minute sign and the power off and things like that but yeah. I again whether I'm giving too much credit I look at it and I think that's too obvious surely I, there's a colour scheme I'm missing surely when they put it up it's like if it's in black writing it means this but yeah. when we show the same sign and it's in blue I writing reckon. I don't know so, you yeah. might I struggle well, with that
0: well I am but I don't reckon I I just I honestly think it's just a really lame <laughs> <laughs> really Part obvious. That's something that's crept into the into the sport.
1: So not a fan of the signs in general? Not or, really. So no. you th- you think the runners should be going out to these players
0: instead? Or what's what's the alternative here? Do you really need to be told we're all in, we're down by a goal and there's two minutes to go? I think some players would probably need to be informed, yeah. Yeah, well then they shouldn't be playing, should they?
1: <laughs> Christian, something you noticed from the weekend.
2: Um I uh, sort of a little bit on the back of Nick Dacos and talking about even you know, last week we sort of mentioned if he if he did win the Brownlow at the moment we don't have him as a midfielder. He'd be a non midfielder winning the Brownlow, so we don't have a position of defender slash midfielder. So you know you can be a dual position yeah. in fantasy footy that everyone talks about, but we we have a fault You know we have a mid forward position. We don't have a mid defender position. But again, the way we judge a mid forward position is you attend centre bounces uh, for at least forty percent of your game, and then the rest of the time you spend forward. So Nick Dacos wouldn't really come into as a mid. Defender, if we did bring it in, um, because he just doesn't attend centre bounces. But looking at the flip side, as I said, mid forwards were more common, and we brought it in about six, seven years ago. It's actually reached its lowest point ever, so it's almost becoming a an obsolete position as well. Yeah, so only five percent of games, you know, of all games that have been played this year, only five percent of them have been by someone that's classified as a mid forward. So it's one of the positions that's been taken out. It's actually more you're more likely to spend, you know, if you're a forward, you're spending Mm. all your time down there at centre bounces and maybe creeping in, becoming a high forward for stoppages and things like that. Uh, but yeah, as I said, just yeah, sort of an interesting one that mid forwards, which again the Bulldogs almost won a premiership based on that position in 2016. They had about seven or eight just mm. all flowing through there. You couldn't stop them. Now we're sort of seeing that dry up a little bit could, in the game. Could we see a change at, at champion data this this
0: year where Dacos becomes a again?
2: I, I don't think any either way we look at it and all the things that we use. If we do bring in a defender midfield position and we use the same sort of qualifiers that we use for mid forward, Nick Dacos wouldn't be there. He doesn't attend centre bounces. Um, but
0: could could you say he's a midfielder?
2: I mean, not really, because again, it's it's one of those ones. It's it's such a unique position that he's playing. He has so much licence. and he, he's clearly ninety five, if not, you know, close to one hundred percent of the centre bounces. He lines up in the back six, you know, the back fifty for Collingwood. There
1: you go, That's one good to good watch. Work. How often do or does Champion Data reevaluate its stats, its positions, its things, and go, "Oh, we need to add something new here."
2: Positions at the end of every year, but even just a player position-wise is Monday morning, if not post match every morning post match. So that's key general. Yep. yep. So we've changed. You know, I think Callum Wilkie was a general defender for a little bit early in his career. Became a key defender. Luke Ryan at Frio flips and flops depending on who they're using him on. So we always look at stuff like that. We've spoken about yeah, there was um, you know ruck forwards. They mm. were they were becoming a bit of a trend three or four years ago. They sort of dried up a little bit, but what a, yeah, every year we sort of review it. But again, it's in conjunction with the clubs and how they're sort of classifying their players too. How
0: do you how do you guys sort of get to Monday morning and then look at someone like Callum Mills who played basically you know, for yeah, so again Tom Hawkins like, yeah, we
2: we won't change it on one week. It'll be based on whether his percentages have gone up and yeah, we, again we look at it's interesting
0: tra- stuff.
1: Yeah, very much so.
2: Uh, something I noticed, I always come to the table with a few of these things because I do you write do. them down. You do write
1: Jake. them down, yeah. Uh, firstly, I, I think it was just, it blew up a bit because that Collingwood fan who
0: hung over the fence when Kyle Langford was, was lining well, it was, up for that was, that was something I had, but it became too much of a something. It, and I think something here. everybody noticed.
1: So the thing I am going to go with, uh, the night before, uh, interesting chain of events where um, Gus Brayshaw was pinged for incorrect disposal at one point. Yeah. And he definitely got a kick away. So... The umpires kind of now, you know, when they they sort of say, even if you sort of slung sort of 360 and then you get a hand pass, you can still get pinged for holding the ball, incorrect disposal, yeah. and, and all that well, kind it's of just stuff. just taking too long but to
0: dispose of the because ball. Because he
1: got a boot to the ball before the actual call came, there was sort of queries on Twitter uh, as to whether it actually counts as a kick. And so I was going to ask you, Christian, as to whether the fact that he
2: kicked the ball and then it got called back, does that count towards his kick total? No, it won't. So... Um... Again, stat calling and processes. We try to make, you know, I like to say that's probably the greyest sport in the world. We try to make the greyest sport in the world black and white. So we try to have a black and white call. And the umpire is one of those ones in the situation that a free kick's paid of whether we do count the disposal or not. So that was paid as holding the ball. Clearly the umpire said he hadn't disposed of it either legally or in time. We could all see with our eyes that it hit his boot and it was a kick. But once the umpire pays the free kick, we can't pay the kick. We sort of can't can't double up on the stats either one or the other. It's either free against because the umpire had said so or he got a legal disposal away. I think that away. totally
0: makes sense. What because, about he, because the holding the ball is not... It, it, it's that you did not dispose of it in time. So the fact that he disposed of it too late, mm-hmm. that shouldn't... It doesn't count. Well, that I mean...
2: We can, does it count, yeah, that count as a tackle? Exactly, it does, because it you, dispossessed, count, surely, you dispossessed yeah. someone with the ball uh, thing. But again, I don't think it was a, have a timing the ball thing. ball without a tackle? It <laughs> just didn't look like a yeah, big yeah, strong I tackle. Agree. We have. You can... Because when you when you dive on the ball and drag it in, if another teammate comes on top, but that that's the big thing for me. They don't pay that enough. It seems like you need to be taken. bit. sometimes, if you watch two teams diving, you're like, "That's two Brisbane players fighting the for for the ball, and they've just called ball up." That should be holding the ball more often. I think. Yeah, mm. Hot takes from Christian Jolly. Yeah. Um, Bottomless pit. would say.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. Uh, I had another question though. What about if and and. You know, what about incidental kicks where, I mean, we were talking before this podcast about, like, times when a ball is handballed close to the boundary line, it hits someone's foot and then it goes over. And it's clearly, like, on the full, which
2: means that it's been kicked on the full. Does that count as a kick? No, so not all out in the... So, again, if we look at the three main things that, you know, can happen after a kick, out in the full, goal, or marks are sort of the three things that a kick needs to proceed if a goal gets scored or a mark is paid, we need to pay the kick. So if it accidentally bounces off your toe, grazes and, like Charlie Cameron's yeah. goal almost. Oh, I think that was deliberate. we, oh, get to, we might get to that we'll later. To but that. Uh, if it's not deliberate, clearly just bounced off your toe because it sort of you know you were at the back of the pack and it just hit you on the toe because it landed and it bounced 15 meters away and it was marked by the opposite uh, by the same team or the opposition. Either way, we have to pay that a kick even if it's not a mm-hmm. deliberate action. Same if it's a, if it's a goal. But in all other bits of play, we we only looking for deliberate action for when a kick or a handball is paid. So you can have the case of it hits your toe and goes out in the full. You can have an out in the full stat without having a kick stat. So we, we do technically have two out in the full stats at Champion. we have an out in the full after kick and an out in the full. And we see a fair few of them. It's usually guys that, you know, again, get a smother on and it just hits their boot and goes out or someone taps it back in onto, onto a defender's foot and it goes out. Yeah, you, you won't get a, a kick paid for that one. The more you know. Uh, Let's get into the main body of the podcast. Jake, Mm. Frio,
1: we kind of had some reservations about earlier in the season. We thought it's going to be tough for this squad to back up a semi-final berth from 2022. Harder draw as well. Harder draw. A whole few different things working against them. They lost someone like Rory Lobb, Griffin Lowe, some key posts. And we already identified that their forward line was going to be tough. Firstly, before we sort of get into the nitty-gritty and and just thought of their disappointing loss to the Dogs, which leaves them in a bit of a hole... I wanted to ask you about the attitude of Frio as a club and the players towards Rory Lobb and if you think that distracted them from the ultimate goal which was the four points.
0: Possibly. Um I hadn't I thought th- it was a ridiculous show from them on Friday. Yeah, I thought it was just petulant. Not, yes, but it's not as if we don't it's not as if we haven't seen this before. Who cares? Play footy. I
2: I didn't I didn't think much of it and I saw a lot on Twitter but what I did notice is post match there was a lot of smiling and hugging. They were, oh, they were best that? mates with him post-match. It was clearly very much... play. this is where, very I much play. Play. This yeah. is where I'm... On much the footy. That's where Jeez, I'm... I I'm
1: turning into an old man here. Yeah, yeah but, but that's what
0: I have a problem with. It's this It's this fake hatred or aggression that we see. And it's just so not necessary. And to your point, you know, you are you went into that game... What were they? Two and three. They're now two and four. I need a win. Um, At know, home.
1: Against a side that hadn't really been turning it on all that much. side,
0: yeah. Um... They've been very disappointing. Um, Sarong has been amazing, taken taken a leap into the elite category, I think it's fair to say. Um, In fact, I've just released the 10 best players so far in in, uh, 2023 after six rounds, quarter of the year, and he's fifth. I've got him as the fifth best player so far this year. Check that out,
1: espn.com.au forward slash AFL.
0: Yeah, he's been fantastic. He's done everything he can do. Yep. But there's a lot of problems with this team. And I think it co- goes back to last year where we were looking at it and we still had doubts and we still thought they were too short in too many areas, mm-hmm. particularly in the forward line. Just don't think they get enough bang for their buck in the forward line.
1: Well, uh, we'll go through the sort of the one telling stat for every team a bit later on, Christian. But we might as well start with the Dockers now because I think it was one of the most more disappointing results that we've seen from them uh, for a long time. And some of the numbers that you would have on your screen are, are quite damning. You look at... Ground ball gets. This was a midfield that had a bit of a hard edge last year and mm. was quite, you know, quite, quite good at getting in and under. Their ground ball gets have been horrific. They've lost the clearances in every single game this year. This is a team that is now relying on trying to rebound from defense, getting intercepts and and, and moving the ball from defense, and they're still not even able to do that very well because they lost the inside fifty count on on Friday night by fifteen. Mm. So it just it,
2: it broke down in all areas of the game. And and that was probably the one area that was really that. Across the season, again, again as I said, they came into the game 2-3, so they weren't flying heading into the season, but they were winning territory. They were able to sort of... They hadn't won clearances or ground ball gets in any game, but they'd won inside 50s or broken even, I think. Hey, they keep winning the hit outs. Every and week, That's
0: yeah. what everyone tells me is what matters most. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, so, yeah, they were able to sort of play in territory and sort of... Again, it wasn't costing them so much that they were second to the ball and losing clearances because they were sort of able to camp it in their forward line for a little bit, you know. Obviously, they weren't getting the the clear results on the scoreboard. But, yeah, a massive differential in inside 50s plus, you know, lost the clearances and ground ball get again. Basically, lost the ground ball get in every every single zone. The only zone they beat uh, Bulldogs in was inside the Bulldogs forward 50. And, again, that's because the defences usually have high numbers of people back. You're very likely to win. Ground ball gets in that zone. But... uh, yeah, attacking midfield, which is basically the centre half forward line for the Bulldogs. So between centre centre circle and the uh, the forward fifty for the Bulldogs, in that area there, it was negative twenty seven for Frio. So the Frio's half backs getting done by the Frio uh, the Bulldogs forwards. And as I said, you know, just spoke about mid forwards The Bulldogs sort of do have very attacking midfielders that they have through there. That's sort of that was the ninth biggest differential on record, and I think that's where it broke down for them. You're losing contest at the source, which is the clearance, and you sort of segment the ball. But then as soon as the team's sort of getting it's win within that 60, 50, 70 danger range of, you know, of being able to enter into they're winning those contests, getting another kick forward and just being able to score too easy.
1: Uh, Dockers fans would be very concerned because week on week, they just fall behind early in contests as well. Haven't won a first quarter this season.
2: Yeah, so they were coming up against the Bulldogs who were 1-4 and four heading into the game and the Dockers were 0-5, and five. so the first quarter was quite important. Mm. And it sort of, you know, I think it was pretty even um, for most of the first quarter until sort of later on. But... Yeah, it's it's something that they've they've really strong finishes. Caleb Sarong, uh, a good point. He's one of the, I think he's the second highest rated player in fourth quarters. So they're relying on their fitness, and it was something that sort of stood out for him last year. But yeah. again, I think they're not as they're not performing as high as they were last year, and they're falling behind early, which isn't helping.
1: Um, little caveat to all that: Dockers are pretty inexperienced. I'm pretty sure they were they ran out as the eighteenth um, for experience on the weekend, and their age is also quite young as well. So, but you look at that and you think, well, last year again, this this side made finals; they won a final. Um,
0: is that the peak for this for this group, or do we sort of reset our expectations for a little bit of time? Uh, any, th- any thoughts? Well, I think when they made the final, I don't think there were many of us, well, us, and then probably the wider footy community as well, which thought going into this year that they would take a significant step. I mean, I could be wrong, but was there anyone that really thought Freo was going to take that leap?
2: I Again, I was pretty it, big on them last year in terms of they nailed the defensive side and they were safe. At, you know, I think at round six or seven, I said they're going to be top eight. They're a safe bet for this year. I thought they'd be a safe bet this year. I didn't. I didn't see them getting better and winning a premiership and getting top four. But I just but thought they they've were got the system to get it, worse and fall out than make. I don't know. I just premium. thought they had the system, and it was a two or three year evidence thing that what Long Longmuir had done with them, and that you know how they were sort of working the contest and making teams struggle with their ball movement. It was something that sort of you know that they weren't going to lose, but they have. They've lost it pretty early this year, and that, again we we knew that their scoring was their big problem last year. They haven't added to that and their defence has dropped off slightly. Mm. So, But, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't say I definitely saw it coming, but, yeah, I would have thought they... You just listed a couple of reasons why we could have seen it coming. Though. That's, <laughs> that's, yeah, but that's what made. I mean. Yeah, again, I thought the defence was something that was just going to, yeah, hold him in good stead for longer than it has.
1: Well... Blues, we did have a a slightly higher or more lofty expectations, Jake. And their last two losses have uh, us wondering how close to finals, let alone a top four berth, this side is. Mm,
0: They were a lock uh, (laughs) to play finals in my mind at the start of the year. I still think they will. Yeah, But there are a lot of concerns that we probably didn't have a month ago. Probably
1: one of the most boring sides to watch play footy at the moment.
0: Yeah. Is that fair? Frio's up there. Yep. But, uh, no, they they are. They're not playing... Carlton's relying on talent to win games as opposed to any sort of structure, rhyme and reason to the way they're playing. And that's what's concerning to me because talent will only take you so far. You know, look at... No, just can't. looking at some kind of base stats. Like Carlton have the two players that have taken the most contested marks. Harry and Charlie have taken... They're one and two for contested marks in the competition. So that shows. Like, they're... they're get, a contested, I think we underestimate or undervalue how important contested marks are. It breaks up the play. You'll get you're winning the ball from a fifty-fifty situation. If you're a forward, you're usually taking a shot for goal. The fact that we're getting that, uh, you know, Crips, as 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 much criticism as he's copped in the early part of the, year, I don't think he's been as bad as what people have said probably just down from what his goal, goal kicking struggling goal kicking struggling but he's still doing what he needs I to I would prefer do. for
1: the a key forward to take as many uncontested marks in the in the forward 50 as possible and not be relied upon to so take this is the my bail out consistency. So this is mark. my
0: point. So so they're, they're relying on the fact that these guys are great athletes at what they're doing yep. than the fact that they're not finding them in space. That's the problem yes. with the blues and and that comes back to well, that comes back to Voss and what, how the way Carlton's playing. And at the moment, it doesn't seem to be standing up. And um, to be completely honest, you look at the percentage and people say, oh, the percentage doesn't matter for Carlton now because they've got the draw. Well, a couple of things with that. Who's to say that Carlton doesn't draw again and back, get back on that four multiples of four? Who's to say Richmond doesn't draw and then they're fighting with Richmond? Who's to say any any other team doesn't? Not to mention the fact that the percentage, as Christian will say, is a great indicator of how a team's going, and the fact that Carlton is at ninety or ninety-two percent after six weeks.
1: Ninety-two point four. Yeah,
0: we, is extremely low. That's that's easily the lowest of anyone in the top eight. Still, won more games than they've lost, and with a percentage
1: seven or you know six or seven points below the hundred. Yeah, mark. but
0: but oh, for the course of the year, down on the year, scored fewer points than their opposition.
1: Uh, the slow kick mark kick mark to try and then find a, a kick long kick inside fifty and home for a contested
2: mark. That's kind of what I've noticed from Carlton's game plan and it just doesn't look good. It doesn't tend to work a lot of the time, Christian. Yeah, and if you look at so you go back to the start of last year when Voss took over and just look at Carlton's averages from round one last year through to where we are now and they're number one for disposals per game, eighth for inside fifties per game, tenth for scoring per inside fifty. So it sort of drops off. We, we get a lot of the ball. Um, number one, oh, sorry, second-best contested possession side behind Melbourne, but eight for inside 50, so just mid-table, so not mm. giving Charlie and Harry Mackay much supply
0: up there. But it was a, such a contrast to the way St. Kilda played on the weekend where they, as you know, Christian alluded to in the previous week, so they allow you to have the ball. And Carlton does have a lot of the ball, and we saw the statue at the end of the game, and every Carlton midfielder had
2: about yeah, 35 I think it was, touches. And, and that's why I, think, I, I didn't work on that game, but I feel like the commentary's compounded on that because... Carlton's main problem is, yeah, sometimes they get stuck in a rut and do a lot with the ball without going forward. And St. Kilda's main strength is, hey, you can have a lot of the ball and not move it forward. Mm. So it was almost the perfect storm of, yep. Yeah, St. Kilda smashed Carlton in Carlton's problem areas. And everyone sort of jumped on and said, oh. And again, I sort of laugh when you said, Matt, that they're the most boring team to watch, which is a... Probably a fair comment after this week, but I do I do remember at round nineteen twenty where everyone was saying they were the most exciting. Well, team that's to watch. when he said because that question, it was, I had
0: pause because I thought of that. Yeah, because
2: it was built on contested possessions. It mm. was like they're going to smash in at the contest, they're going to fly out of clearances, and and it looked exciting. But again, when you when you sort of step back and go, okay, how's it how, how does it stack up in a finals game when you need to control tempo? They weren't a tempo controlling yeah, team last year. Um, credit to Adam White from Sen for this stat, but Carlton have now
1: only won seven of the last eighteen. And those wins have come against West Coast, Essendon, North Melbourne, the Giants times two, Fremantle, and the outlier being Geelong, but Geelong notoriously
2: slow starters, or slow start period. But yes, yes. Uh, not good. It's I, not good. And again, talking about personnel and sort of you know setting up a game plan with with your with the right players that you've got so they're very good at contests and we know about the inside midfielders hewitt Cripps. i mean even matt kennedy when he's playing they're all good really really good contested ball winners but of the nine midfielders carton has only two have a positive kick rating um so that's you know comparing you to the rest of the competition average uh, and hewitt's one of those that's in the positive for his kick but rating. he never kicks exactly and he, he averages 97 <laughs> meters per game so yes he's a safe kick but he's not doing much with a 97 meters per game is Poor for a mid, so bottom ten percent for a midfielder. Yeah. So he doesn't get a lot of distance with it. Sam Walsh is the other one that's in the positive. He's only played the two games. So. Well, that,
1: that says to me that Carlton relies a lot on its rebounding off half back. And you look at the names that are missing from yeah. that half back line at the moment. So Sam Doherty's not there. Adam Sard's not there. Yeah. May return this coming week. Um, and obviously Zach Williams is out for the year. So there are not. Not that I want to give Carlton excuses, but there are. I'm sure reasons as to why why but also they're playing a game the style that might not suit the what what we want to see from going them.
0: Going back to that point, what well, was it? Seven of the last nineteen or eighteen? S- seven or and eighteen, yeah. Seven and eighteen. Maybe that's you know, and I'll be the first to put my hand up if if this is where Carlton is because I thought I thought Carlton was a top eight side. I think a lot of people did. So know, seven
1: thought, from eighteen. My apologies. Yeah. yeah.
0: But maybe that's maybe Carlton, and you you listed the teams. Maybe Carlton's beating the teams that they are better than and losing to the teams. You know, Thomas Club. Yeah, and it's and it's. I don't know, 10th best side? Maybe. We'll have to find out. Do it we'll two have more to months. find out. That's a good segue. Uh, yes, we've
1: brought in this segment uh, the one telling stat for every team. Uh, we talked about the Dogs and the Dockers, so we might skip that already. But uh, Port Adelaide and West Coast played on Saturday afternoon. Jai Cully, not a bad little pickup for the Eagles. And being played out of position yeah. as a 194-centimetre midfielder up
2: forward, but it looks like he can play there. He was good. I thought he was. Uh, what did you notice from that game, Christian. Um. Yeah, it was a, a record set at the other end of the field for West Coast. So Tom Barras actually took uh, seven intercept marks for the game. Which, um, sort of watching it, I didn't think he was. You know, he was good, but I, I don't think it was like sort of highlighted throughout the game as a big note. But yeah, that's the equal most ever taken in a game recorded by Champion Data. So he equals Chris Grant from twenty odd years ago and Jacob Weedering from about four or five years ago. So, um, yeah, he's uh, he's another one that I think he's just. Doesn't get enough credit for how good of a fullback he is. He's under the pump every single week. Um, He's one of the best aerial players, I think, in the competition we have, Tom Barras spoiling and marking-wise.
1: Yeah, Uh, something else that I thought took my fancy Is the fact that they are playing on from marks a lot more So they are going to start taking the game on Compared to earlier in the season When they were probably a little bit more conservative with ball in hand
2: Yeah, so exactly I think it's the one thing we've been waiting for West Coast Probably two or three years Is to start taking the game on uh, a little bit more So across the first three rounds um, They were 11th for mark play on percentage 16th last year But yeah, they've gone up to number one across the last three weeks um, And they were at 42% of their marks That they played on immediately after this week Which is their highest percentage in uh, three or four years of footy. So definite sort of tinkering of the game style. I think that's why Tim Kelly's become a very valuable player. He's just a, a go for player. I don't know me and Jake have spoken mm. off-air about him. He's not always as clean and as classy as uh, everyone maybe makes him out to be. But that's he's just always a take territory yeah, player. He's,
0: he's the first step. He's always towards the goal. Jaden
2: Hunt just, you know, doesn't get a lot of it. Probably not going to be a huge name. But again, he's just that type of player. If the ball's in Jaden Hunt's hands, he's probably going to get it 30, 40 metres down the, down the field in, in a quick manner. So... Um, yeah, definitely a little sort of tinkering with their game plan there. For Port, I mean, it was pretty, yeah, standard performance from Port, pretty good one. But I thought one of the things that makes, and it makes a lot of teams scary, and I thought that's why Adelaide was scary early in the season, is the ability to kick a goal from sort of outside 40 or outside 50, those long-range goals. And they ended up with seven goals, two from outside 40, um, which is, you know, works out to be about a 78% accuracy from there. The comp average is 40% from mm. those shots from outside 40. So, and we spoke about it last week, Dixon... Um, uh, we spoke about Todd Marshall, Marshall Finn Layson's pretty good kick from outside. Mm. You'd be tearing your hair out as an opposition player Finn there, great. nailing him from that. Oh, yeah. yeah, so exactly, you, you do as much work as you can to sort of make sure that. Uh, inside 50s are as shallow as entry as possible but, if but then Port Adelaide is right. turning around and <laughs> kicking goals anyway uh,
1: Power big challenge this week against the Saints at Marvel Stadium they're going to be without a few big names so Jonas rubbed out for a week mm-hmm. uh, we talked about Todd Marshall he's yep. going to be out as well with a concussion he'll probably miss and he's Mitch Giordiati's serious knee injury in the sample too mm,
0: yeah they were talking about him potentially coming back before that happened so um yeah, they'll be, they'll be a little bit undermanned, but St. Kilda as well, still probably not quite back to full strength as well. So <laughs> in a good you,
1: spot at the top of the ladder, though.
0: Yeah, well, exactly. And that, all credit to Ross Lyon, as you can read in my latest <laughs> column as well on ESPN.com.au forward slash AFL. <laughs> um, good game. I, I, it's one of those games, I think, at the start of the year. You probably Sneaky thought, blockbuster. Yeah, it is. That's is. I'm excited to watch that one. Uh, Very shame much. we don't have the Thursday nights anymore. But ha- just before we move on from this game, Luke Shuey. What's oh, this guy got to do to stay perpetually healthy? Perpetually injured, mean, isn't he? Yeah. If
1: it's not the hamstring, it's the calf or it's the ankle. It's one or... thing
0: after another, and I, I know we we don't joke about it, but we've we've sort of mentioned before that Matt Tabernard is the most subbed out player in the sub era. But he's got to be close, surely. I don't know if the top of your head. He, I'll, have the, I'll, I'll have an update for you for next. I feel week, like but... there's a, there's he's constantly. And
1: they're a better side when he's on the when he's on the ground.
0: Of course, yeah. That's, That's the it.
1: obvious. Yeah, fair enough. Giants uh, and uh, Brizzy, <laughs> <laughs> Jake. How many small forwards are you taking before Charlie Cameron?
0: Oh, none? Papley? You like Papley, don't you? I like Papley. Papley's probably not as consistent as Cameron. I think Charlie can just... Is it just... That extra pace. There's not many players that can match him for pace. Hits the NOS button that's yeah. well, that's why, that's why I've got That's, that's get, what I mean. That's why I got. Told, oh, that's why I got Papley ahead of him. I reckon he's. You reckon Papley's, good, the, Papley's, now, Papley's, that, Papley's that, quicker Papley's, after he's kicked
1: a goal and he's celebrating. Yeah, yeah, maybe, I reckon maybe, Papley but, looks yeah.
0: quicker because of his the way he pumps his legs. legs. Yeah, I I think. <laughs> I've never seen a player be able to get off the ground quicker than Charlie Cameron. He he can go from laying on his back to standing upright in like the blink of an eye. He he's he's amazing. He's where is he? Second in the Coleman now? Or yeah, third. And, I think. He's going back ahead of him.
2: Clearly a barometer for for the line. So again, I always talk about you know we talk about in stats, where correlation versus causation. Is it your fault or is it the way the team's playing? Especially as a forward, that you know, do, does he drop off in losses or is it just because he's getting less supply? But yeah, the yeah, numbers are yeah. the numbers are quite simple. If he's kicked four or more goals since he's been at Brisbane, they're seventeen and one. Jeez. So eighteen times he's kicked four or more goals, they've won seventeen. Um. Obviously, you know, three, two, one. They're sort of you know 50-50, maybe just a bit less. But yeah, if he's goalless, they're three wins and thirteen losses. So get the ball in as, his hands. Yeah, and as as opposition defenders, he's the one you you, you got to try to stop. Um. As we're
0: going, sorry. As we're going through these games, it's it's reminding me of my somethings I noticed. Write them down. Um. <laughs> The, I know I'm colorblind, and you guys will probably say no but the the jumper clash in this was oh there are a
1: few jumper me. clashes on the weekend
0: yeah I, I was really struggling with this game and even looking on the the uh, the AFL app where you've got the uh, you know you've got the little icon next to each player on their jumper they all look the same to me the Giants <laughs> and the Lions that colour looks identical yeah that's fair so um, yeah Um,
1: yeah. I also thought the so Anzac Day was pretty bad Collingwood have red sponsors on their back and front so both teams were wearing black, white, and red in different combinations. Yeah, I didn't notice it too bad.
0: Hawthorne Adelaide, also Fourth bad jumper Adelaide. clash yeah, again. Not so, the best jumpers.
1: I don't know what. I mean, they talk about these these um, away jumpers. Why aren't we using them better?
0: Yeah, they don't, it doesn't really mean anything.
1: Anyway, uh, so while we're still in this game, uh, Lions dominated contested possession and, and around the, the nitty-gritty stuff.
2: Really. Yeah, it was, which was a weird one because they, they finished with the fewest uncontested possessions of any team for the round. So a little bit of a negative there in terms of they weren't just, again, winning easy ball and tempo, but we've just spoken about Carlton and probably Freo overusing the ball and too much uncontested possession. So it's not always an issue. But yeah, they were sort of... They were beaten on the outside, which is GWS's ability to move the ball from end to end was one of their best for the year. So... Um, But, yeah, if you look at just the score sources, so I think it was 46 points to 16 from clearances uh, Brisbane's way. So they won that part of the game. And then it was 65 to 56 from turnovers GWS's way. So talk about, yeah, the inside game was dominated by Brisbane. The outside game GWS actually got them a little bit, which, again, concerning for Brisbane in terms of how up and down we know they've been. Week to week in the last two years. Uh,
1: the Giants, bit of a change from the first few weeks of, the, of their their season as well. They were fifth for metres per kick, so they went along with kicks. We, we sort of talked pre-season about how they were going to do that handball-heavy metres game through handball
2: kind of game,
1: uh, but they kind of flipped it on the head a little bit this week.
2: Yeah, and that's what I mean. I think they got Brisbane on the outside, so they won't be able to move the ball as well as they have been by hand, so they still got their usual four 500 metres game by handball, but there was that kicks so they were able to take more ground with their kick. Mm. So... Um, it was two and a half meters more per kick than their season average, which doesn't seem like a lot, but again, over two hundred kicks or so, that it is sort of just that little bit of. Yeah. As I said, they were that more likely to take that extra territory with their kick and keep that handball game going. So I think, yeah, even though they didn't get the result they won, I think there's a lot to like sort of for Leon, Cam- uh, uh, Leon Cameron. Leon Cameron, <laughs> yeah. So, but Adam, Adam yeah, Kingsley. Going way back, but for Adam Kingsley and the Giants in terms of, uh, yeah, their, two coaches their, ago, <laughs> yeah, their, their ball movement st- stood up and their outside game, which is one thing that he has brought in. Looked good again. There you go, uh,
1: Jake. You were talking about uh, the Swans before we started this podcast, and you were very hard to console.
0: There's been two. Well, there was three games, but the two that I can remember. There was another one I just slipped my mind. But the two games I sat down, really looking forward to watching this year. Was had Carlton, the popcorn. Carlton, Adelaide, obviously as a as a Blues man, I was very disappointed and threw the TV out the window at quarter time. And then Sydney, Geelong. I was really excited for this game, I and mean, obviously the Swans um, under man. That's that was a given, but thought they would put up a bit more fight than they did and that was yeah it was the most embarrassing performance of the year so far 93 points I mean it. Geelong they made Geelong look a lot better than than they are right now I I still we we, we were actually talking about it three weeks ago we weren't prepared to write Geelong off and that would have been stupid the Cats are still a, a premiership threat but they made them look a lot better. They were really poor, the Swans. I thought the midfield was just absolutely smashed. Some of Longmire's coaching decisions were baffling. I don't really understand Mills on Hawkins taking this guy who everyone tells me is the best midfielder in the league out of your midfield to play at fullback when you got Aaron Francis walking around in the forward line and Will Gould on the bench as the sub. Didn't really understand a lot of what they were trying to do, and they just really... They lacked hunger, and it didn't It didn't look like that was the team that had smashed them in the grand final and humiliated them. You would have thought they'd come back and want to make a bit of a statement. Even if they lost by 40 points, you'd think that they would
2: have put in a little bit more effort.
1: Well, Christian, you've made note that the Swans are in a bit of a rut over the last month or so.
2: Yeah, I think it's, again, probably the, the injury problem has got them. Um, so if you look at the last four weeks, they're actually 16th for points against, so conceding the third most points of any team, 14th for scores inside 50 um, against. But the one across the whole season is actually ranked 16th for contested possession so it was always a little bit of an issue that they weren't getting their hands to the ball their pressure is still good their ball movement was good early on uh but they were losing contests and now their defense is undermanned and under siege because they're, they're second to the ball and obviously getting easier to score against so yeah it was it was for them it was the worst defeat for Longmire, their third worst defeat under Longmire was the grand final result. So mm. the last two times they've played Geelong have been two of you know side. Longmire uh, Longmire's worst performances, but yeah. it's the GMHBA factor as well. You could look at so many clubs, and yeah, again, how can they it's a lot make of. That much I, I, difference. It doesn't no no, it doesn't make that much difference. But you can see a lot of clubs when they have a bad if you have a bad game at G, GMHBA Stadium or Skilled or whatever it was called, skilled. they they <laughs> stain your record forever. So some of Brisbane's lowest inside fifty entries yeah. ever. HBA Stadium, some of Port Adelaide's worst disposal differentials and contested mm. possession differentials. A bit of a are at, "when it rains, it pours" kind of place. Uh, yeah, so it's it is one of those stadiums where it's just like I watched it and I'm just like, this feels like a typical Geelong game where the opposition's ten percent off and they just go in for the kill, and and Sydney just could not they get could, the game back was, at was, all.
0: Yeah, the something that really stood out to me was only one Sydney player had twenty. Disposals in the game. It was Luke Parker at 21. I'd like to know. Here's here's some homework for you, Christian. I'd like to know the last time a player topped his team with, and 21 was only Was the highest for Excluding a
1: team. 2020, because you might have a few in that season.
0: Yeah, that's true. But also the fact that only one got to 20. Only one, that just showed how much of the ball DeLong had in their dominance.
1: Well, you talked about the Swans being quite undermanned in the back line. It was clearly evident because the Cats scored a goal from 37% of their entries inside 50.
2: Yeah, so it's the highest percentage in a game this season. I think it's up in about top three or four across the it's last. Not just two a score, years, that's a so goal. That's a goal. So they were they were pretty accurate, but they were also if you look at where they were taking them, pretty pretty easy shots as well. So really really high for expected scores for the you, so. you
0: mentioned to me after the game was they were 50, outscored in fifty seven to ten in clearance scores from clearance. Yeah, so that's which,
2: that. Perf- that's when Geelong's. You know, as I said, they won a premiership last year based on turnover and 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 beating you in that sort of part of the game. But when Geelong and, and most good teams like this is Melbourne as well. So when they're just rolling out us every second stoppage and they just score, they're just like you know they just come out of the stoppage and mm-hmm. score. And for two weeks in a row they've done that against West Coast and done that against Sydney, where they just you know the bulk of their scoring has been them waltzing out of out of congestion. Love Jeremy Cameron,
0: but he's taking the you know what a little bit with the way I, you know he's getting the ball before he's even he has got <laughs> the confidence is sky, sky, so sky high that he's already he's given thumbs up, clapping teammates before he's even taken the shot. Like he's forty out on a on a forty five degree angle. and he's just like yeah, he's like well done, that was your goal, and like, I'll just turn around and bang it through now, shall I? Uh, can he kick a hundred? Will he kick a hundred? Willie or can he? Two different questions. Well, twenty four rounds, so an extra round, so twenty three games, extra game, um, finals maybe. Yeah. So this is this is what I'm thinking. I think it could happen in if Geelong if you said right now Geelong will play three finals, would you? And and you had to pick Willie do it or not, and you and he will play every game. Would you, would you say he will? I'm that, saying no. Just he'd only need three, about 3.6 or 7 a game if so they played three, three
1: finals. Well. So I I would say not because I just think that he could get injured. You know, you have a couple no, of no, down but weeks. If I'm, I if think tell
0: you he plays every game and Geelong play three oh, if finals. If he plays every game. Yeah. yeah, maybe. Maybe he's odds on. I reckon he's a chance. Okay. He is a chance.
1: <laughs> he's a chance. Uh, Hawks and the Crows... Fun, funny thing We sort of talked about this at the top Talking about some crowds And so the 10,000 at Marnica Which can hold about sort of 14,000 Up in uh, Canberra
0: mm-hmm.
1: 10,000 for the Hawks and the Crows And some empty stands at Utaz stadium Can hold about 20 Disappointing
0: you're a bit of a crowd man. Although you did botch Anzac Day, and I told you'd it be ninety three five plus, and okay. you were saying what well, were you saying seventy oh, <laughs> <laughs> No, I just said it was. I said it was incredibly difficult to sell out the MCG
1: on any so game aside fac- from yeah. Grand Final Day. Yeah. So it was only the second time a home and away game is notched ninety five, and this the first time was back in Whoop Whoop.
0: Yeah, but it was also the first time that we had both the two biggest supporter bases not see their team in their state the week before aside from round one on Anzac Day um, you know perfect how good was the weather on Anzac no, Day 26 even today it's quite nice disappointed I couldn't get down to the beach um, yeah it was and both teams in the top four anyway though we're skipping ahead a little bit yeah, yeah, yes. no, 10,000 at Launceston uh, bit disappointing, Launceston? Bit disappointing yeah, but I think look, the
1: Tassie fans are voting with feet I think
0: yeah but also do you expect them to, to show out when Hawthorne is I think everyone's unanimous pick to get the wooden spoon yeah is it surprising enough. that that the stadium isn't full uh, Hawks ball movement still an issue Christian
2: yeah so they've struggled like um, moving the ball from end to end which is again probably one of the things that they were basing their game on I know that's you know Sam Mitchell was talking about ball movement and, and being an offensive team they struggled with it recently but again it was one of I think it was their worst uh, lowest percentage for going from back 50 to forward 50 this week I think it was down to 11% and um, and you you look at the second half of the well, you know their last three games they're down to 19% of back 50 chains going to forward 50 they're up at 35% in their first three games um so yeah sort of a big drop off there which is the main part of their game but one thing that they sort of did get a tick from is they were able to score from forward half chain so that is being able to create a stoppage or turn the ball over in your forward half and score which we haven't seen a lot from Hawthorne. they haven't been you know a forward-half team, I mean, even on the weekend, they lost the time in forward-half by negative 12 minutes, which is a smashing. <laughs> but they actually scored more points than Adelaide did from forward-half forward, f- forward half chain. So, again, just a different sort of way to play for them that they know they can sort of get the ball forward, lock it in, and try to get a score that way, which a, a, a lot of the dominant teams have based their game around that in, in previous years. Yeah. Uh, that last goal from Fogarty, how many players are kicking
1: that?
0: Jake. Um, in that, that time with about a minute and a half left, pressure, down, Maybe one on each team who's capable of doing that. Todd Marshall. Why <laughs> <like> Todd Marshall? <laughs> uh, yeah, he's bloody a bloody good kicker guy. You just knew he was going to kick it. And that was kind of why I asked Christian afterwards. I said, what are the, who are the best kicks? And we float, we, I think we floated this on the pod last week or was it? I don't know if it was afterwards. But yeah, he, he just feels as pure kick of the footy as we've got in the game right now. Uh, and the Crows continue their kind of, not surprise,
2: hard edge, but they still continue to sort of bullock in the midfield as yeah, well. Yeah, and again, that's why if you look at Hawthorne sort of, uh, they were plus 20-odd in loose ball gets, I think, Hawthorne. So they were getting Adelaide sort of on the run. And, and again, we talk, I think I spoke about it a few weeks ago, how a hard ball get and a loose ball get. They're both contested possessions, but they're very different types. So Hawthorne was sort of outrunning Adelaide, scooping up the ball in space and and winning a lot of that. But Adelaide just played bully ball almost. They, they dominated clearances. Uh, dominated the hardball get count, Um, so the number one differential for hardball gets in for the week, and that's what got him over the line against Hawthorne was, again, you know, talk about Adelaide probably being an up-and-coming team, but it was almost like they were too experienced and too big for a younger Hawthorne. Who's Adelaide's the best player?
0: Question without notice. Right now, who's the first player picked in their team? Rory Laird. Skipper? I think it's Laird, but I think, yeah, Tex is... He's still... I think he's um, still underrated. He, we he, say this every time he kicks a bag of four. But he seems to kick a bag of four every week. Well, he doesn't, but... No. We, <laughs> I, I see your point. <laughs>
1: no, but, <laughs> He'd be kicking 100 if that was the case. Well, I
0: think we had this discussion
1: like two years ago when he started with like six, five, four, and 4 or something like that.
0: Yeah. Um, that's right. He had that three weeks where he yeah, probably had nine Brownlow votes. I think he ended up getting eight. Uh, stiffed.
1: We did talk about the Blues off the top, so we might skip over them. But the Saints... Uh, oh, just... And we talked about this pre-podcast, Christian. And to those at home, have a look at St Kilda, their heat maps, their possession or their disposal maps against their opposition, sort of all season really. But you look at the, um, you look at the way that they just sort of clog. Uh, they allow teams, as we sort of said earlier, to just dispose the ball as much as they want,
0: possess it's the ball as much as they want. Counterintuitive. So
2: they're on top of the ladder. They're 18th for disposals conceded. An 18th for disposal efficiency conceded. So they're, they're conceding the most disposals and the cleanest disposals of any team. Have you
1: a 15-metre kick in the back yeah, line?
2: but exactly that. At 60% of disposals the opposition's having is in the back half, which is the highest percentage of any team conceded. Um, I think most teams around an average of 18 or 19% of your disposals are actually in your forward 50. St Kilda's opposition is down to 11%. So... They're happy. They're happy for you to go backwards, sideways. So, if you look at Carlton, Carlton had 446 disposals on the weekend, most by a losing team this year, um, and most by a losing team since 2019. If you look at the three biggest disposal games by losing teams this year, 446 by Carlton, which was against St Kilda, 437 by Fremantle, which was against St Kilda, and 420 by Essendon, which was against St Kilda. So, it's it's the, the Ross Lyon mantra for me okay. this year. It's not in your face pressure. It's just got that perfect setup behind the ball that that's we'll just wait stat. for you. We'll just wait for you to come to us. When you come to us, they're one of the best teams at moving the ball. They're you know been pretty uh, good at scoring once they get inside fifty. I think they're sort of just outside the top eight, but sort of a slight improvement on that. But it is. It's just all based on you can have the ball, but you're not going to do anything with it. Um, he, he
0: deserves a huge amount of credit. I mean, it's stating the obvious again, but like that's a clear change in game style from one year to the next and the way he's been able to implement that and the way they've been able to execute that and have immediate success with the personnel with obviously navigating that injury list yeah. and I even, even at full strength I don't think
2: many people would say St Kilda talent wise is a top 7, 8 team and it's always you know I mean we are analysts at Champion Data and it's always hard being an outsider looking in because sometimes it might not necessarily be a a change that they wanted to make could be a personnel change but one thing we've noticed with St Kilda in the past is it's hard to get a defensive read on them so some defensive teams push up and like to be forward half teams some are high pressure teams and some are as we said like Richmond and Melbourne or almost or Richmond and Collingwood sorry more counter attack teams concede a lot of inside 50s St Kilda seem to flip and change a lot across the season of what they were trying to do they'd be in your face pressure one week and then the next week as they'd be last like last year yeah and yeah. it'll last two or three years so mm. It's always been one where they've been at at times, at stages of the season, they've been good at one area of a defensive game, but they've never done it for a season sort of all in one go. Now it seems to be like they've got their defensive signatures set. If you're top of the ladder after round six, are you playing finals? You're playing finals. I think the only team not to play finals since 2000 to be on top after round six was Essendon, mm. uh, 2013, who obviously finished seventh and uh, got kicked out of the finals because of legal troubles. But yeah, so no teams actually missed there you go. the top Start- eight or top six from making finals. But one interesting one is out of the uh, out of the 22 top teams that we've had after round six in that time, only three have won the premiership. They were 2000, 2002, and 2003. So no team has won the premiership from Top position after round six since two
0: thousand and three. It's crazy, isn't okay.
1: it? Okay, so book your first and second week finals <laughs> tickets, yeah. St Kilda. Maybe <laughs> hold not. fire on the GF <laughs> Very good. Uh, the Suns. Geez, we put the heat on them last week,
0: didn't we? Written podcast, the whole lot. Yeah, well, they had to beat North. Simple as that. If they lost to North, it was season over, and it might yet be season over. But um, yeah, go on. Oh, sorry, I thought you. Well, were I going thought to jump you were halfway to the no, point. No, there. they were. Uh, they were okay. I mean, but they, again, Jared Witt's important to that side. Yeah, yeah, of course he is. But I, I, don't think they did anything that makes you sort of reassess or look back at what we said last week and saying maybe we were a bit too harsh. T- I still Tuk think Miller a big out as well for a few weeks at least. Huge. Um, yeah, I mean, he has probably hasn't been at the heights he was last season, but he's still probably the most important player, best player. Uh, but yeah, I, I just don't think. Nothing changes. They beat a they beat a poor side in North Melbourne. Um, ev- most teams are going to beat North Melbourne by that sort of a margin. They and they're at home. They should win that. I, I don't think much. I don't think we can really look at take too much out of this game.
2: Suns picked apart the uh, North defence. Yeah, and I think sort of similar to what Jake was saying. I think think uh, the Suns took what. What well, was given to them. So North this year really struggled, uh, you know, you can almost compare them to St Kilda. I think they're 17th for disposals conceded and 17th for disposal efficiency conceded. So they're, they're doing the same as St Kilda. They're allowing a lot of opposition ball movement, but unfortunately for them, it's a lot of forward ball movement and a lot in the forward half. So Gold Coast were able to chip it around. They took, uh, I think it was 135 marks they took for the game, which is their fourth most in their history. Jeez. Uh, 20 marks inside 50, which is their second most... Um, that the clubs ever take sorry 135 marks yeah was their fifth most in history uh, and 20 marks inside 50 was their fourth most in a game but their most since 2016 uh, taken by Gold Coast so again they were able just to one thing North struggled to do is yeah sort of man up ahead of the ball and stop those short and uncontested marks and they're 18th for conceding uncontested marks um, across the season but yeah as, as I said so Gold Coast sort of went in for the kill on that, on that weakness of North Melbourne and got the job done
1: uh, let's continue to whip through these. Melbourne versus Richmond. That last quarter was a hell of a turnaround. You could, oh, could kind of see it coming, though, couldn't you? From a from a D's perspective, coming back. I mean,
0: it was similar to Anzac Day. Yeah, had that had that about it, and then the, just the team trailing felt still felt like they were going to run over the top.
2: And even though Richmond had. Chances in the last, they just didn't take them. I mean, it was, it was, I just, yeah, looked at it. It was five goals one, Melbourne kicked in the last to one goal five for Richmond, and in the inside Oof. 50s were quite even. So, yeah, you do, you talk about taking your chances, and, um, Yeah, it was sort of 50-50 for a lot of the territory game for that quarter. But, yeah, just got it smashed on the scoreboard. Uh, Expected scores. Uh, Would have been flipped if uh, all things had gone to plan. Yeah, so second game, I think, for Richmond this year. Um, Trended back to last year. Yeah, second game where I think they've lost, where they should have actually won. Plus, they've had the draw, which they should have actually won as well. So, um, yeah, they should have won by eight points in that game, lost by 18. So, um, yeah, if you sort of look at... How do
0: you assess that, though, if you're Dimmer or any of the coaching staff or the players? How do you do you sort of say eventually it's no
2: again i use that oh, and i'm not a coach but i would use that as a coaching as just my first step of all right how did we go in this game am i pat like i'm about to look at every other stat and work out where we lost the game and where it was won but i want to look at expected scores to realize all right how did that game actually play out for us and to me it played out pretty well so even though i'm going to be about to look at some negative contested possession clearance stats i still got to have in the back of mind but hey if we had a kick straighter, we won. So I don't think it needs to be communicated to the players, but it is. It's a good indicator of was this a good or bad game for us when we start to look at the rest of the stats. So, mm. again, yeah, you look at most of the stats and it was quite even. But the big thing for Richmond is they didn't score from back 50 across the from, from the uh, whole round. So the only team that couldn't generate a single point from their back 50. So just couldn't move the ball against Richmond, which, again, yeah, sort of was probably their biggest score Mel- coming on the night. Melbourne didn't or Richmond Richmond didn't, didn't. yeah. 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 Uh, D's were also pretty good at taking advantage of their inside 50s, scoring a goal from 28% of their inside yeah, 50s. Yeah, which was, I think, third for the round. So not a, not as good as Geelong. But, um, yeah, that was probably where, again, a lot of the stats were even and, and, and quite um, – Richmond were probably slightly ahead in a lot of stats. But, yeah, the one thing was Melbourne's clean efficiency inside 50, which, again, has been one thing that they haven't been strong mm. at in the last two or three I'll years. tell
0: you what, the old uh, Bolton-Martin combining for 100 goals isn't uh, –
1: y- y- Your Richmond might be over or- – <laughs>
0: Did I say I meant over the next four seasons? <laughs> <laughs> uh, An Anzac
1: Day pies and bombers, very twenty twenty two Collingwood feel about that one. Yeah, that was. last quarter. I mean, the bombers were very good in the third, but that last quarter just had a had a true,
0: true story. Fifteen seconds before Stringer kicked that goal, I said Collingwood is still going to win this game. When he kicked that goal and was running towards the camera, I said it's over. They they can won't come back. I I can't believe how you cannot kill this team. There is... Craig McRae, I was about to say <laughs> Jack McRae because I'm always having a go at people forgetting that wrong, but he he, what he's been able to do with that club, and same with Ross Lyon too, it's it's that instant transformation, and that's where I think coaches should get the credit. They're, it's not... The, the, they, you've got to play four quarters against them, yep. and we've seen this happen time and time again, going back into last year and this year too. You cannot play three and expect that you'll hold this lead through the last quarter. And Essendon did fall asleep. and But to Collingwood's credit, they really did get on top in that last quarter and they were just dominating.
1: Well, some of the stats, four inside 50s only for the Essendon in that last quarter. Mm. Zero really? goals, three. So they did score from them. Um, but but, but you're,
0: you're not giving your forwards any opportunity.
1: But... Uh, yeah, the pies. You know, after the, if they're
2: behind at three quarter time, you just you, then you're not run, yeah. run, ruling them out, are you? Well, you since, can't. The, since the start of last year, so they're nine wins and six losses when they've been behind at three quarter time. I mean,
0: that's insane. And <laughs> um, so I feel that's, like some of them were were not
2: just like a couple of points; they're like three, four goals. There were a few
0: of them that were they were down by. Yeah,
2: so that's a sixty percent win rate. The next best team in that time is Geelong, so they're five and five if they're behind at three quarter time. So sort of fifty percent. But if you sort of look at Collingwood versus the rest of the opposition. So I say like Collingwood against the rest of the competition. Collingwood a sixty percent win rate if they're behind at three quarter time. If you take out their games, the rest of the competition works out to a sixteen percent win rate if you're behind at three quarter time. So are they
0: the best fourth? I mean, are they clearly the best fourth quarter team in the league?
2: Yes, I mean, yeah, in terms of mm. outscore, yeah, like outscoring the opposition. And what things is like that? that?
0: Is it fitness? Is it?
2: Well, they like, they do
1: pride themselves on yeah. that, but well, like. What, Look at this fourteen plus fourteen ground ball gets differential. Oh, it was a in, the last in the quarter. last quarter. That, it, that's not fitness, is it? I mean, that, that's at
0: the content. you're well, talking about. I think like, it's a part of it. I mean, being, positioning, uh, having having you know, they it, there was one team that wanted to win that game in the last quarter, and right, know, that's so, not that's not true. That's a both teams want to win. Want to win? Yes, but there was one team that looked hungrier. It was it was clear which which jumper was hungrier to win that game. It was a good game. It was a great game, but can you? Can, I mean, I think that's a pretty fair thing to say. They looked like they wanted to win it more. I'm uh, not saying they, the, the, the Bombers, of course, they wanted to win, but the, but the Pies looked like they wanted it more.
1: Some quick Dick Dacos bits and pieces you've got.
2: Yeah. So is that to uh, 20 consecutive games of 20 disposals? So he's the second youngest player to do that behind uh, Clayton Oliver, um, and six consecutive games of 30 disposals now, which again puts him as the second youngest behind Oliver. Um, But Oliver Streak stopped at six. So if Dacos gets another 30 this week, he'll be the youngest player to have 30 disposals seven times in a row. Um, And yeah, just these 40 disposals and two goals. Only seven players have actually done that in a match across their career. And you look at the names. It's Gary Ablett did it 13 times. Dane Swan, Tom Mitchell, Dustin Martin, Dan Hannanbury and Lockie Neal. The only other players since 99 to have 40 touches and two goals in a game.
1: Not bad. Hey, Uh, we're getting into red time uh, on this podcast sponsored by Subway. Jake, is the hype justified or is it hyperbole? Hit me. Specky attempts in which knees hit the back of the head should be reportable offences. And the, the context being, yeah, uh, was it uh, Nathan Kruger? Nathan Kruger flew in the for back a specky. Brandon Zerk Thatcher yes. uh, looked like he was
0: down on the ground. Might have been concussed. May get delayed concussion. Yeah, it might uh, Unrealistic attempt. Should he be reported? A hundred percent. Why not? It's a loophole in the system. Otherwise, it's the same as you know being able to. Basically, throw your opponent to the ground on the goal line when the ball's coming in and then they never pay a free kick for it. It's a loophole to be able to, to whack an, your opponent. You can come driving through with your knee in the back of the head, not saying that he was doing it intentionally, but you could do that and say, oh, well, it's, un, it's a, an unrealistic attempt, it's a free kick to the opposition, and that's it. Why is it not? There's no reason why it shouldn't be a reportable offence.
2: Thoughts? I'm not against it. I just don't think that again. If it's really, really unreasonable, I think that was. I think that's reasonable. Enough, that attempt that we're talking about on the weekend—that it was a free against. Do but I don't want to see get the, I don't get the want knee on the players. shoulder.
0: Yeah. Do we want to see knee in the back? I, I, know, you know, I don't want to see heroin. guys rubbed out right.
2: for that either because I just don't want to take it out of the game. So I understand there is that hype. You know, hypothetical one of it's mm. flying teammates over the head and you just want to take a bloke out. I don't think the one that we saw yesterday. I'm, I don't think is he was intending to
0: do that. But but to Matt's point, perhaps it's it's. Okay, the head's off. if the head's off limits everywhere else around the ground, we're protecting the head, why can you just knee them in the back of the head when at the sake of, oh, we've got to keep the hanger in the game?
1: Yeah, fair point.
0: Uh, Mitch Duncan can thank his lucky stars
1: after he got off for his uh, hit on Robbie Fox. Uh,
0: another one for me, another justified, I think. Um, again, I wrote about this in my six points column this week. You know where to find it. I won't tell you for the fifth <laughs> time. Um, he did, of course, he did. So Robbie Fox, to your point about the delayed uh, concussion, like the Swans came out and said, you know, he's going to miss this week with concussion. Yeah. From what I saw, I I don't believe, and 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 the Channel Seven commentators, not to not to point fingers or, or or slag them off too much, but they really were quick to defend Mitch Duncan. I thought finding excuses. Yeah, they were finding excuses. They wanted to exonerate him pretty quickly. And I just couldn't see it. I thought I was watching something different. It looked like, yes, Fox slipped and sort of uh, overran the ball and sort of slipped down. But even if you go back a couple of frames, like, Duncan's already bracing for that contact. And I I hate hearing, oh, he's such a great guy, you know, he he doesn't have that record. That may be the case, but it doesn't matter. You've still got to cop your, your punishment for that. And I thought the fact that he got off, didn't get a fine... I thought, that, I, I thought a week. I, I thought he deserved a week for that.
1: Christian, Richmond have given up on season 2023, given the
2: age and experience profile of the 23
1: they're rolling out each week.
2: Uh, a bit too early to say. So I, I thought the same thing by eye, that they seem to be picking the youngsters and, and a younger team. They were still the fourth oldest and fourth most experienced team of this fourth. round. I mean, you take out um, take Jack out Rivo, a, <laughs> yeah. So, so I think by eye, again, I, to me, it does seem like they've... they've selecting the youngsters, Judson Clark, Ralph Smith, they're all sort of getting a game um, a bit earlier. But, yeah, the numbers aren't quite there yet in terms... Of, again, it, it would be the top-heavy guys that are sort of holding them up there. But I do. I feel like Richmond are sort of slowly just rolling in a, a, a brand-new team, um, and their 22 probably going to look very different by the end of the year. I think giving up's a bit do Yeah, I don't, exactly. I think it's, so it's, the, ref, it's, the, it's the refresh yeah. on the run, isn't it? It's what everyone thought Sydney weren't going to be able to do and they've, you know, they maintain their final streak. I don't think they playing these guy, some yeah. of these guys by choice. Uh, it's, it's more out of necessity. They, they, don't have, they don't have that choice. But so. even I look at guys like Ralph Smith, Justin Clark, they still fit the Damien Harbick-Richmond model. Hard runners, good right. sort of, you know get ahead of the ball Judson the Clark is going to
0: be this not a whipping boy but he's going to be just the name people always say oh that's Judson Noah Clark Cumberland, just because of the uniqueness of his name <laughs> okay fair enough poor guy
1: enough. <laughs> uh, you can catch Ron Connolly on the Footyology podcast with Rodney Eid every week uh, they're coming up on Thursday this week we're recording on Wednesday everything's sort of just been shifted back a day uh, make sure you get your
0: tips in as well Friday short week this week so you remind me every week and every week I forget but forget. It, it's, it's we're flying through these rounds though
2: I know it's pretty crazy Christian i just shout out to my son, he picked nine, so he'll be happy Whoa. I gave him a shout oh. out. So he's got no idea about footy and it just proves... Oh, you it can't say nine. that after he's picked nine. He's <laughs> yeah,
0: got edit that's that
2: out. Sure. Unbelievable. I think it's time to wrap things up. Uh, you can get
1: in contact with us at Footy Tips on Twitter if you want uh, questions, comments, feedback, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, Jay, Christian, good to speak with you both. And everyone at home, we'll speak to you in the next
0: episode. Listen to all the latest episodes by subscribing to the ESPN Footy Pod wherever you get your podcasts.